Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. Welcome to Revolution. Um, I feel like today seems more like a December day or late November than middle of October. Um, For any of you listening who aren't familiar with Minneapolis weather, it's a very fickle fickle thing. Um, It's snowing and it's actually sticking to the ground and it's 33 degrees. Don't like that. Yesterday, my family and I went out to an apple orchard. It was a little breezy, but I didn't think I was going to wake up the next day and it was going to be snowing. So, kind of depressing. Um, If you can hear my voice, you know that I'm not Jay. Uh, Jay's kind of on a little sabbatical uh, the last couple weeks and maybe um, the next couple weeks. So, Caleb and me and some other people are filling in. Um, So, please keep listening. But today, the talk's going to be probably short and sweet and to the point, something that's kind of been on my heart for the last, I don't know, little bit of time. I've talked with my wife about it and some friends, and it's more of a story of where I'm at theologically, um, where I'm at with my faith, because we're all on journeys. Um, But I just want to, before I jump into that, I just want to thank everyone for coming who's here physically and those who will be listening online. Uh, We always appreciate you being here and tuning in online wherever you listen to us from. Um, But what I want to talk about today is something called Christian agnosticism. Um, First of all, it's not to be confused with regular agnosticism, dealing with non-religious things. Christian uh, agnosticism itself is a belief that you believe that there could be a God or Jesus, whoever, or a higher power but you just don't know you're you use like they an atheist straight up means there is no god there's you know nothing out there and agnosticism is you're kind of like there could be there might not be um cool if there is cool if there isn't and you kind of just keep trucking along um but christian agnosticism is there's not a definitive term like overarching term i've kind of was researching for putting this together today and there, I've come with a couple of theologians and some people who have talked about it it's still it's not a new thing because one of the theologians I'm going to talk about um, actually wrote a book in the 60s talking about it but I think it's more catching steam now uh, but first I'll tell you about my background on how I got to the place where I'm at because it's from how I was raised to where I went to school, you might think, how do you get to have this mantra of being a Christian agnostic? I grew up uh, here in the Twin Cities, um, and my dad was raised Lutheran. My mom was raised Assemblies of God. Um, if anybody knows Jay, he knows, they know that he was raised in that tradition too. But yeah, being raised in the Assemblies of God... Um, Pentecostalism, if you know anything about Pentecostalism, speaking in tongues, gifts of the Spirit, all that stuff, it's, I have a lot of family that are still adhere to that form of Christianity, and there's, there's, that's part, that's always going to be inherently tied to me, Uh, I don't think you can divorce yourself from that, 
Um, but then after I went, grew up there, I went to an Assemblies of God college here in Minneapolis. And then I wanted to do seminary, so I did my Master's of Christian Thought and my Doctor of Ministry at Bethel Seminary, uh, which is more conservative, evangelical uh, seminary. When I was there, there was a little bit more progressive, but over the years they've kind of got a little bit more conservative. Um, and then I just was like, I don't feel like I have a spiritual home. So I kind of was a Christian, but not going to church, not hanging out with community of any sort. And then I had a friend of mine who was in the United Church of Christ. If you know what the United Church of Christ is, it's a mainline denomination, um, very progressive, very liberal, um, more progressive and liberal in suburban, urban areas and more, you know, a little bit more conservative in the rural areas. But, you know, we tie our heritage all the way back to like the Puritans and the pilgrims and all that stuff. So I kind of have a very colorful background at how I was raised. And I was just telling my wife the other night, because we were talking about this, and all the years I've studied the scriptures, all the years I've studied the Bible stories, being in, being in school, studying all these theologians, I've come to the conclusion that when you leave seminary and people say, what do you know? I can honestly say that most of us are, I don't know. I just don't know. Um, because our theology is great. We can hold these truths whatever those truths may be, but at the end of the day, it's tough to really nail down, like, is this true? Is this not true? I just, I don't know. And that was probably the best advice I ever got. I had a couple professors saying, we're not, you know, 100% knowing everything is true. We have hope. We have whatever you want to say in there that, that this is true. But at the end of the day, if someone asks you, what's your view? What's your opinion? What's your theology? it's safe to say, it's okay to say, I don't know. So, but a brief definition of Christian agnosticism is Christian agnostics practice a distinct form of agnosticism that applies only to the properties of God. They hold that it is difficult or impossible to be sure of anything beyond the basic tenets of the Christian faith. They believe that God or a higher power exists that Jesus may have a special revel or relationship with God and in his some ways divine. God should be worshipped, and this belief system actually has a lot of deep roots in early, early Judaism and the early church. So it is actually something that is not practiced as much now, but it's something historically that had, like the early Jewish people, um, they didn't have these definitive, hardcore beliefs. Some did, but a lot of them were like, yeah, there could be God, there could be Yahweh, but there might not be, and we, sh we should just keep living our lives day in and day out like we should. And early church, I mean, the early church fathers, early church people in the church were all about small communities, kind of like we're here right now. Um, and I have a podcast that we do with Caleb and some others called The Sacred Collective. It's a small podcast, small community, but that's how the early church was. It wasn't like you go to this mega church down the street or all these different denominations. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but that was something that is a completely new thing and having these definitive views on this story in the Bible is true, this theological idea is true. That was something very foreign 
to the early Christians and even um, the early Jewish believers. So a theologian that I found um, researching this, and there's a not a lot of theologians who probably want to come out and say, this is where I am, partly because if they're pastors or if they're in a school that they're teaching, you don't always want to have, I am a Christian agnostic or I'm atheistic and kind of dealing with Christianity or mixing, you know, like I have a friend who's a professor who is, is very much a Christian but also is highly influenced by Buddhism. But if you're saying that at a Christian school, people tend to get kind of freaked out. So, but the theologian, um, Leslie Weatherhead, he was a British theologian born in the 1870s and died in, like, uh, I think, 1976. But he was kind of uh, the figurehead of Christian agnosticism. I don't agree with everything he said. If you look him up, look him up on Wikipedia, Google him. He had some really weird stuff that he believed in. He got really into occult um, occult things, kind of sexual things that I, I wouldn't necessarily agree in what he was doing. But he uh, argued for a form of Christian agnosticism. And in studying this, uh, you have people who, like, if you know the writer Huxley, I don't know how to say his word, Aldous Huxley, um, he was more of an agnostic in, like, the harder form. Um, but so there, there's people who will say, oh, there's a hard form of agnosticism or a soft form of agnosticism. We can just go on rabbit trails if we wanted to talk about that, but that's not where I'm going. He wrote um, wrote this in his book. It was just called The Christian Agnostic, which was uh, written in 1965. Many professing agnostics are nearer belief in the nature of God than are many conventional churchgoers who believe in a body that does not exist whom they miscall God. And that stuck out to me because where I'm at and what I've just said earlier of the I don't know, I don't, there could be a God. Uh, the, I hope that there's a God, but I can't prove that there's a God. I can't say with all certainty that this God that we worship every Sunday or Wednesday or whenever you meet or we talk about is true. But what Leslie Weatherhead was saying, who he was a minister as well, was saying that someone who calls himself an agnostic and even a Christian agnostic they're more truer to what you would call, quote-unquote, true Christianity, a true belief, because they're saying we don't know that there is a God. And it's not bad to worship that God, as I read in the definition earlier. You should still believe in God and you should still be worshipped. But to have that certainty is something that he couldn't do and, and something that I can't do. And that the people who go to church day in and day out every Sunday, say that they're a Christian, he's saying that you're mischaracterizing God because you're worshiping this God, you're giving God all these attributes, saying all these stories are true, saying this, 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 and this about God is true, but you really don't know. You're saying these absolute truth statements on something that you really don't have the absolute truths on. So I was really... I was like, great, these theologians that are in the 40s, 50s, and 60s I have more in common with than a lot of the theologians that are currently here now. Um, another quote by Weatherhead that has really, for me, have been life-changing, um, and I've talked with my wife about it, and I said, 
when I read it to her the first time, she's like, that sounds exactly like where you're at um, and kind of like in your journey. But he wrote this in the same book, a Christian um, agnostic. A person who is immensely attracted to Christ, who seeks to show his spirit, to meet the challenges, hardships, and sorrows of life in light of that spirit, but who, though he is sure of many Christian tenets, feels that he cannot and conscientiously sign on the dotted line that he believes certain theological ideas about which some branches of the church dogmatizes. His intellectual integrity makes him say about many things, it might be so, but I don't know. And when I read that, it was just like this weight came off my shoulders. It felt like I was more free um, than I've ever been before. Uh, growing up in the same of God, it was like you... You think of a bad thing, you smoke, you drink, you know, you have sex before you're married, so on and so forth. You always felt like this God was going to, you know, hit you over the head. I, I mean, in the Pentecostal thing, it's highly, you know, believe in Jesus or you're going to go to hell. I remember, you know, when I was a little kid, I wanted to go to Disney World. And my grandma was like, oh, don't worry about it. Like, when the, when the, the end times happens, you can go to Disney World. You know, or, you know, I was like, well, I want to, you know, have sex. That's a normal thing. But, oh, no, if you did that before you got married, then it was like this, you know, God has this mark on his belt for each person. And it's like, well, there's one thing against Brian. There's one thing against, you know, whatever. And so it was very, it's very hard to get out of that. It's very hard to deconstruct that. It's very hard to get out of that headspace. And for me, my, my theology, my faith is very important to me. Um, but it's, like I say, your faith, your journey is yours. It's not for everyone else. I'm sure everyone in this room or who's listening, we're all on our different paths, and that's great. But this is freeing for me because this is the first public place that I've actually come out and said, like, hey, I'm a Christian agnostic. And... I, I feel fine about it. Like, I know my mom or my brother and my family doesn't don't listen to this, but I know that that would wreck them because they would say, oh, you're believing that there is no God because they have that agnostic thing. Like, they just, they were told growing up in our tradition, agnostic means you don't believe in God. You don't believe in Jesus. You don't hold to the tenets of our faith. And I would look at them and say, no, I do personally believe in Jesus. I believe in his teachings. I do personally believe that he died and rose again. But I don't think that Jesus sends you to hell. I don't believe in hell. I'm a universalist. I think when Jesus died on the cross, it was for everyone at that one, like before Jesus and after. And there's nothing that separates any of us from his love. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that to me was a very fresh breath of of being able to be like finally breathing for the first time without having any sort of baggage or weight um, on my back. I think the buzzword right now in a lot of circles, progressive circles, I listen at my job. I have the luxury of listening to podcasts like all day. I do a manual labor job. I'm on my own for many of the hours. So I listen to a lot of, well, I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts, but I listen to a lot of progressive podcasts. And some of them that I've heard 
I'm getting to the point in my life where it's like the word deconstruction is this buzzword. And I've talked with a lot of people here and, you know, in my own circles that I hang out with that deconstruction is great, but it gets to a point that when you deconstruct your thoughts, your views, you can just be left empty. You can be left like I'm pissed off. You can say, you know, I, I reject this form of God. Well, great. Do you reject all forms of God? Or I don't believe in this way of thinking anymore. Great. And so then they're like, they're just kind of this base nothingness. If someone wants to be believe in nothingness, great. Or be a nihilist, great. But I would encourage people to say, yeah, you can deconstruct. I've deconstructed. But start oh, in a way of forming something back up. And maybe when you start forming that back up, maybe that leads you to a higher form of understanding of Jesus. Maybe he is, you know, who he said he was, like he, he died and rose again and all that stuff. Maybe it's more atheistic, more, maybe it's more Christian agnostic, maybe it's being a non-theist, maybe it's be, whatever it is. I encourage that and follow it and go after that study, you know, get books from the library, study theologians, study philosophers, study poetry, study, you know, literature, and if that brings you to a certain point, that's great, and that's fantastic, but don't just be left with the kind of emptiness and the void of just deconstructing to the point of deconstructing, because that's, that's kind of cool in our society now, especially with faith or anything. Like, I'm going to deconstruct this so there's nothing left, and I'm going to be okay with that. And that's fine. I would just encourage you to keep plugging away. And it's tough. It's tough. We are all busy. We all have things going on in our lives, and it takes time and energy. But I think it's worth to go down that rabbit hole and explore and see what's there. Um, I know this is a little off topic, but it kind of goes back with agnosticism is in my tradition in the UCC, one of the churches that I help out with, um, they have this mantra for scripture. Um, they say we take the Bible seriously, but we don't take it literally. And that always, I, I, I enjoy that and I embrace that. And so like I just wrote here, some of the Bible stories, I mean, there's hundreds of Bible stories, but like Jonah and the whale, Job, the feeding of the five thousands. I wrote the question more, do these stories, A, have to be true? Do they have to be true to make them relevant in our lives today? Or are these stories in the scripture more just stories to tell us how people lived and how people reacted? Like the feeding of the five thousands. Like I'm not saying that miracles can't happen. I think they're highly improbable, but they can work. They can happen. I'm sure there's recorded accounts of maybe something, some of that happening. I don't know. But I think the feeding of the 5,000, looking at it now, all these years later, after school, after the traditions I was raised in, is maybe, just maybe, it's all about sharing, that we should share. We might not have a lot of food. We might not have a lot of drink. But maybe we should all come together and share. Maybe that's what it's all about. Maybe with Job, you know, the story of Job and how the story is like God and the devil were talking and, you know, the devil's like, I'm going to destroy Job because he's a faithful servant of yours. And God's like, go ahead, fine. It's kind of like this 
behind the scenes thing and job lost everything he lost his you know he was a farmer i believe so he lost his cattle his his wife told him you know reject god because god is doing this to you um his family his friends all deserted him like he was left penniless nothing there and i was like i always thought like hey job was real but now over the years i'm like i don't know if job was real and i don't care if job was real i don't think it has to be a true story i think with job it's all about in the midst of suffering because as humans we're all going to suffer whatever suffering that is i don't know but we all go through it and that in the midst of suffering for job and what i think this is saying is still have hope in god have hope that things are going to get better and for job it did get better but that's not the case for everyone but i think that's what job is is all about and then jonah and the whale um that's one I actually wrote a paper on all the way back in college where I was like, this story is not true. It's the story about if God calls you to do something, go and do it. And even if that means you're going to, like, if you read that little short story of Jonah, which is four chapters, Jonah was pissed beyond all comprehension. Of God told him to go to Nineveh, which is an evil city. The king and all these people were just living a debaucherous lifestyle, so on and so forth. And he and Jonah said God called him to go there. So what did God, what did Jonah do? He ran the other way and got, got picked up on a ship. And even on that ship, there was this turmoil. He got thrown over, was in the belly of a whale or a big fish, whatever. And in that belly of the whale, it was this frustration, this, this lament that he had to God and, and back and forth. So then he got spit out, went to Nineveh, and if you read if you read Jonah, it's like God. What the story says is that God kind of took that anger out of the Ninevites. The they all wore sackcloth, which was a form of ultimate like humility, submission, and they all from went from believing in a non, like not believing in Yahweh, or God, which is God in the Old Testament, to therefore believing in God, therefore. Um, having a belief. And they even put their animals, kids, everyone in these sackcloths, and then that changed. But even after all that, Jonah was still pissed off and sat underneath a fig tree and was being mad at God still. And then you see kind of ends, the chapter 4 actually ends in like a negative way, saying Jonah still, after all that, didn't get the, didn't get the point. After all these people's lives and hearts and minds were changed, he still didn't get the message that God loves all these people. And if you go and get sent there, I like Jonah. I like this story. Was it true? I don't think it was. But I think what that is saying is we need to be nice to people. We need to love people. We need to care for people. And even if that person might be the scuzziest person we think, they could have a whole list of things that they've done that we as people, we as Christians, we as wherever we are, as a society, we might think that they're almost like subhuman. But I think what it is saying, all these stories, is whether I don't believe that they're true, but I believe that they were written by whoever they were written by to lead us to an understanding of this is what we can get out of this story. Be nice to people or, you know, whatever. So, and I think that encompasses and goes into Christian agnosticism because it's saying, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if these stories are true. I don't know if these stories are factual. 
but I'm okay getting some sort of authority out of it. Like I, I say to my family, I don't believe the Bible is inerrant, which is a, a nice word to say that the Bible has no errors, or infallible, which there could be some errors, but it's more grammatical. Authoritative is, I believe the Bible has some authority if I allow it to have authority in my life, but to say that the Bible's factual or script, you know, 100% accurate is not true. And so all that kind of has led me to my belief now. And uh, just in closing, I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to pass the hat around, and then afterwards we have this thing called the Afterglow, which we're not re- we're not recorded on this, but it's just a time for a Q&A if anybody has any. Um, for me, and I would leave this to you if stuff are, is questioning in your head, and this is where I really started going down the rabbit hole and to get to where I'm at now, is... How can we know an invisible God today? How can we put absolutes on an, on a God that we don't know, a God that is not tangible, not physically here? Another way to say it is, how can we, as a finite human being, put absolute truth statements on a deity that's completely infinite? on a God that we can't see, we don't know, we just read stories about, we see in Scripture that these, supposedly the red letter words were spoken by God. So my my point to you today is, ask those questions, wrestle around with how can I know if there is an absolute God, absolute truth. And it's not wrong if you come to that, there's hope in that. I would say still still read scripture. You don't have to read it every day. But if something comes into your head, like maybe I'm going to do what Brian said and go back and read Jonah or go back and read the story of Job or go back and read the feeding of the 5,000 that's in the Gospels and say maybe this isn't true, but is there some sort of meaning with it? Is there some, is this, is, are they telling me to share or whatever? And you don't have to take it as literal gospel, like literal truth. And it's okay if if you in your faith you wake up one day and you're like, I don't know. I don't know if I believe in this. I tell my wife, I pray, but I don't know if it works. I don't know if it helps. I don't know if this is working, but I still pray, not because it's partly because it's ritual, but partly because I think it's a good practice to do. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing inherently wrong to pray, but to say that I know that it works is something I don't know. I, you know, I don't know. And those those couple words, I don't know, has really set me free in my own understanding and in my own theology and in my own faith. So, I know this probably wasn't as a little bit theological. I felt like it was more of like a like a class <laughs> than a sermon. But I just got to speak from my heart. And I know, Caleb, when you spoke, when Jay spoke, sometimes you just need to shoot from the hip. Sometimes you don't have to open the scripture. But just having that conversation is maybe what's needed and what helps. So um, I'm just going to say a prayer, whether I know it works or not. And then I'm going to pass the hat around, and then we can be done, and we can do Q&A for the afterglow if you want. So God, if you're there or not, I don't know. But help all of us here today who are here physically or listening online, help us to 
understand that maybe the scripture doesn't always have to be true in order for us to pick that nuggets of of uh, truth that's in there. Maybe it's telling us how to live life or how to deal with this situation. Help us, all of us, on our journey, on our lives, wherever that may lead us. That might lead us to you. It might lead us away from you. Whatever it is, help us to be men and women who try to be better people, better people to ourselves, to our families, to our coworkers, to the world around us. Because sometimes religion has splintered us, has pushed us to the margins, and not to care for the people on the margins, but just help us to be people who, in all of our spiritual journeys, help all of us to dig deep, ask those tough questions, and if it comes back as, I don't know what I believe in, let us live in that ambiguity of the I don't know. Uh, In your name, amen.